everybody has a story. Everybody's gone through something or they will go through something. And the culmination of all of that creates who we are. Everything that I've gone through, what I'm able to pull together is the ability to quickly look at people's businesses, their situations, and find opportunities. Are you ready to transform your life? This is a no-nonsense show helping immigrants like you create generational wealth, even while working full-time. Get ready to take notes. Here's your host, Socket Jane. Welcome back, my Great to Wealth listeners. Today, I have Jenny Wright for us. Jenny, how are you? I'm awesome. I've known Jenny for a while now. I've been working together. She is helping me with some of my work, especially launching a summit, which I haven't yet announced on the podcast, but hey, we just did. It's upcoming in August. Let's just start now. So she's helping us. She's awesome. Her story's amazing. She has gone from the corporate world to essentially owning her own destiny by starting her own businesses. And she is wealth of knowledge, wealth of Ronald. Actually, we're just getting off speaking just before we got online. And she already dropped two names for me, which I was... I would have taken me 10 months to find out. But thank you again, Jenny, for being you. Appreciate it. Absolutely. I'm so glad to be here. And I have all the names in my virtual Rolodex. So I can imagine. Yeah, I think I'm going to keep pinging that. Jenny, so what we do differently on this show is I've given a brief introduction about you, but we don't necessarily focus on introductions. We're really focused on you, right? So the show's name is Migrate to Wealth. And wealth means a lot of different things to a lot of different people for our specific Mm -hmm. show. It's really holistic. That's what you're helping me create my summit around, the five dimensions, right? I would love to understand your, and I know you have a beautiful story, a very inspiring Mm -hmm. story. To the extent you feel comfortable sharing the elements of it, I'll let you be the decision maker on that. Would love to understand your migration journey in wealth for you and help us define what does wealth mean for you? Wealth for me isn't necessarily about the level in my bank balance. It has to do a lot more with the ability to live a life that feels good, that allows me to do the things that I love to do and spend the time with the people that I care about, as well as be able to take care of other people within my circle to make sure that other people are taken care of. I'm a little bit of a mama bear in terms of the people that I care about and I want to make sure they're taken care of as well. So there's that. Wealth for me is living a good life Mm -hmm. and being healthy and making time to do things that just bring joy. I don't have from a challenging upbringing full of, you know, drama and things like that to not wanting that in my life as an adult. So I really curate the space around me to bring myself and those around me joy. That's awesome. That's a great definition of wealth, right? Because when growing up, sometimes it all you want is money, money, money. And then you eventually realize after you taste the money, maybe not to the extent you wanted, that money is not going to be the end all be all. It isn't the end all be all, but it definitely greases the wheels to make things happen. And that's a wonderful piece of it. And I can't do what I'm doing to bring that joy into my life without having some sort of income. But on top of that, it's spending that money wisely saving that money wisely, but spending what I do have wisely to make sure that I can live for now and also live for later. No, I agree. You know my story when I moved into a monastery in India. When I came back out of it, one thing that I really realized is it was an epiphany for me where I realized that money is very important, right? Mm -hmm. It gave me a perspective of what money can buy. But on the flip side, it also gave me a major, a very big understanding of what money cannot buy, right? Yes. And that's really where the balance happens because all of us, I would say majority of us have focused on what money can buy 
right? Mm-hmm. If I have X amount of money, I'll be happy. And I'll be happy because I'll be going to taking a $20,000 vacation or I'll yeah. buy a purse or I'll buy a car or whatever your vice is. You're going to satisfy that. And that is, to your point, there's a role to be played. The role the money has to play for that amount of happiness. And nobody should deny you that. But if that's the only thing you're looking for, eventually you'll realize that life is pretty hollow. Right. I think that's really where, where your thought process is, I believe. Absolutely. Mm. And I started from, I mean, my family, we didn't have a lot of money when I was growing up when I was younger. And then when I was about 14, things changed. So my father's business became very much more profitable. Mm. And then it became, we bought a new house and we were going on shopping trips. And my mother used this newfound money to do the things that she couldn't do without like when she didn't have the money previously, but it didn't bring happiness for me. The same challenging family dynamic was still there. There was still all of the issues. None of that was getting fixed by getting a new outfit or shopping at a designer store. None of that was helping. And so when I wanted to start off my own life and, you know, move away from my parents and start my adult life, it was never about having the purse or the vacation. It was more about having the experiences. Right. And I want those experiences because they make those core memories. And that's what made me happy. I personally, I don't have an attachment to fancy anything. I have an attachment to quality and experiences that again, can create that lasting feeling for me, my mother became a hoarder. And in her last days, it took us, I think, two or three industrial sized bins that you see on people's driveways to empty the house. Yeah, that's what money did to her. Yeah, I always say that people have different relationship with money, right? She kind of led her predominantly did her childhood, but her adult life as not having enough money. So when she had it, she didn't want to get rid of anything, right? That's probably that. On the flip side, somebody else looking from the other side, like, I don't want to be a hoarder. I want to collect a few things, but the quality things. And if I don't need them, I will toss them out, right? Which is how you grew up. So I think everyone has an interesting relationship with money. And it's actually very important to understand that relationship. Because if you don't understand it, then you're going to make decisions which are not going to make sense to you but they're coming from some deep rooted relationship issue or non-issues that you have with money, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So So Jenny, how how did you migrate, right? From when you were growing up, we understand that you had some family dynamics that you didn't want in your life when you had the choice, which I'm hoping you do now. So how did that journey from, let's say 18 or 19 years old, whenever you left home, to now who you are, how has that migration journey into wealth, how you define wealth, has been for you? It was actually a brutal transition. I moved out at 22 to escape the dynamics in my family I didn't want to be around. And I ended up in a relationship that wasn't suitable for me. It wasn't something that I could make last in the long term. And when I realized that, and I knew that that relationship was no longer, I just replaced one issue for another issue, I ended up leaving pretty much in the middle of the night with the clothes on my back. And I accepted the fact for the next couple months, I was going to be homeless. So I actually lived in my car in the middle of a Canadian winter, did that for quite a bit, several months. And I was completely abandoned by everybody in my family. Nobody would help or support me or take care of me in any way, shape or form. Some by choice, some I, I didn't want to associate with. And one person 
stood up for me and made sure I was okay. I actually didn't have enough money to buy gas or food. It was one or the other. And this person would give me a $20 bill and say, hey, can you go get me a coffee and a sandwich? And they'd give me a $20 bill and it would come to like, you know, maybe eight or $9 for everything they wanted. And when I went to give them the change, they said, you know, keep the change. And I would use that to feed myself that day. Like that's how bad it was. And I, you know, showered in YMCA's and somebody let me sleep in their basement for a couple of nights during a snowstorm, things like that. I eventually got my own place. So it was a rough transition from one situation to another situation to homelessness, to getting my own place. And for the first time in my life, living on my own and establishing that independence and now making my own rules. And it wasn't until my mid to late twenties where all this took place. And then I decided how I was going to live. And I pursued that lifestyle of being an entrepreneur. It took me a long time to get there. I was actually working in corporate. I worked in a gold mining industry at the time. And before that, I worked in a wholesale retail environment. So working in gold mining was a great elevation. There was quite a bit of money in it, which is fantastic, but it's very volatile. And the dynamics in there can be really interesting and it's just like any startup. Gold mining's are startup companies, basically. Yeah. And one of the companies that I was with ended up falling through. And I ended up without a job. And I was like, okay, now is the time that we're going to try this entrepreneur thing. And here we are a decade and so later yeah. <laughs> doing this. And yeah, it's been able to facilitate making the life that I had always hoped that I could have. And doing it on my own terms without other people influencing it and pushing me to do things I didn't want to do and so on and so forth. So this has been such a culmination of all of those issues and all of those journeys and hurdles that I had to go through to get to this point. I actually didn't know about that part of your story. So thanks for sharing that. I do want to ask that question. What was going in your mind? What gave you the courage to basically leave everything with a pack of bag mm-hmm. and really and quick realizing by yourself, which I think the word you used was that you're going to be homeless for several days, months, weeks, who knows, right? Yeah. Let's go back to that time, if you may. Sure. And if it's too emotional, we can bypass it. No, I'm good now. Um, I've processed all of that stuff. Right, so I'm good. That's great. Thank you. Because we would love to. I think there's some, that really where probably your true character is going to show up because entrepreneurship is not easy. I'm realizing yeah. it. It's a constant up and down, up and down, up and down. And there's something some core fundamentals of a character you have, which got defined Mm -hmm. at some point in your life, we don't know when, that's going to show up again, right? Which probably showed up a lot of times in the last 10 years of your journey as being an entrepreneur. So let's go back there. What gave you the courage? Was it faith in yourself, faith in a higher power, frustration? What were you going through? It actually took me two years to make the jump out of that situation. I knew the situation wasn't tenable two years prior, but I kept, a lot of women do this, a lot of men too, but just we keep putting into something that isn't working, hoping that it will be okay, that it will change. We keep hoping hoping for a change that will never happen to happen. Yeah. Until you get to a point where you're like, this is never gonna happen. This is never gonna change unless I make the change. And the only person who is going to look out for me is me. I can't wait for somebody else to improve the situation that I'm in. And I can't keep falling back on the same behaviors. Nothing is improving. And at that point that packing your bag and leaving and not coming back and, you know, sleeping in your car was I'd hit my breaking point. I could no longer wake up and continue the life that I was in. It was 
so detrimental to me. And also in fairness, it wasn't good for the other person. It wasn't a good relationship. And I wasn't the person that person needed to be a good partner. I just couldn't end it. As many times I had tried to, I couldn't end that relationship. And they weren't open to ending that relationship. So the only way I could think of was just leaving. And so I um, did it. I didn't know I was going to do it. It just kind of happened. And for a long time, it was a really huge thing. It took years for me to process what I had done and to forgive myself and to forgive the relationship that I had ended and stuff. I left two cats behind. I left a house behind. I left all my furniture. I left memorabilia. Like I eventually got a lot of it back. Not everything. Some things I didn't get back, never got the cats, but all those kinds of things. I eventually got most of it back, thank goodness, but some of it I didn't. And it took a long time. It probably took me about four years to overcome all of that and process well, everything. I can imagine. At yeah. least you processed because I think a lot of folks may just never process. They just put a wall, right? That memory is blocked. Sure. Absolutely. It's always going to show up. Everything is going to yeah. show up. And at the beginning of my entrepreneurial career, I had also, there's a little bit I've left out of this story. And, and one of those is a very traumatic surgery. It was a emergency surgery I had to have that left me in the hospital. It's actually one of the reasons I became an entrepreneur. I went for a regular test while I was working at one of these gold mining companies. And they came back and said, you need emergency surgery. It's life or death. So my little regular test that was going to take two hours on a Friday afternoon ended up putting me in the hospital. The surgery got screwed up and I ended up in the ICU and I was there for, you know, week and a half in critical condition. And my boss at the time, decided that she didn't believe that I was in the hospital for good reasons or whatever. She actually pretended to be my mom and came into the hospital room and I was completely half sedated. I was in and out and she was reading my chart, told everybody she was my mom. She was corporately bullying me and it was a really traumatic experience. Yeah, that was brutal. I decided I couldn't work for people who could treat other people like an object, a commodity, something that they could control. And I needed more. And I knew I wasn't going to get it from these people. So that was the precursor to then, you know, this other piece of, like I left that company, went to a different gold mining company. Mm -hmm. And then that's the company that I ended up leaving. But there's so much that's happened in this story. And I know it sounds a little bit like, you know, wow, Jenny, you went from interesting home life, not so wonderful to a relationship, to homelessness, to, you know, all these different things. But it is the story that has happened that's, made me who I am. I am of course. I'm able to create this resilience and this push through it and work through it and try and deliver as much as possible. And I constantly am trying to improve myself. I'm constantly working on changing the way things are to make those improvements, not only for me, but the people around me. And I can't say that I've done this perfectly. I can't say that I haven't made a ton of mistakes along the way and also didn't process things perfectly. But now at my more mature age, I am able to say that, you know, with time and with a lot of effort, especially, and a lot of it actually hit during the pandemic. Funny enough, I did a lot of this processing Mm. during the pandemic because there was a lot of time, a lot of lockdown time, you know, I was able to process it a lot more and be able to come out the other end with a little bit more perspective. Wow, Jenny, such a ride you have had, right? And a lot of people could have broken down. I know there are moments where I've broken down in my life because that's just not easy. Doesn't mean it's not fair. You get what you need to be better, right? Life's just showing you, giving you a lesson in a way that life things you will learn. Unfortunately, we look at them as adversities. 
and we at times get broken down. But I think this kind of showcases your true character of doesn't matter what happens in life, right? And you're always trying to push forward. And hopefully what all these experiences have shown. Now let's take it forward, path forward, like today. You're an amazing sure. entrepreneur, right? And you've done an amazing job in setting up your business. You're helping other people launch their businesses. So mm-hmm. how are you using the skills you've learned through these adversities? I'm assuming they're directly transferable. Looking back, all yes. the dots connect. And now you're able to connect those dots. Like it's just that at the moment when you're dealing with that situation, nothing makes sense. But now everything makes sense. So help us understand, mm-hmm. connect the dots. How did the dots connect for you? If I can boil it down, it's about empathy and listening and understanding. I have a story, but everybody has a story. Everybody's gone through something yeah. or they will go through something. And it is, it is the culmination of all of that creates the personality of who we are. Through everything that I've gone through, what I'm able to pull together, I think, is that innate ability to quickly look at people's businesses, mm-hmm. their situations and find opportunities because I've always been that person that is, even in the worst of it, I'm going to find the way out of it. Right. And if I look at other people's businesses, I'm going to find the things that might be being missed to create you know, more income, to find more clients, to improve statistics, whatever it is. I'm always looking for those little minute opportunities to elevate things. And so I think that's my little superpower that everything has taught me how to do. Because I'm constantly doing that for my clients and it creates and transfers into results. You know, 1% increase of sales when you're selling something that's $25,000 and you're looking, you know, those numbers add up. Yeah, they do. So I'm always, yeah. And so I'm always looking for those opportunities of where can we tighten things up and find that, you know, those slight changes that'll create big, big wins. Yeah. So let's go back in time again. I'm sorry, I'm going this flip-flop in timelines because it's an interesting story, right? When you were leaving the job, the corporate job, and you decided because of your manager and whatever else was going on in your life at that time, that I'm done with serving others in terms of being a slave to others, I should say, in your case, and living their dream, I'm going to create my own dream. And the reason I'm asking this question is the context behind it, right? I think there may be a lot of listeners who are actually resonating with this story, Now, their manager may not be abusive, but they Mm -hmm. have a feeling that they hate their life because they hate their job, right? For whatever reason, it could be the money, it could be the location, it could be they're not their passion, it could be manager, it could be coworkers, any plethora of reasons could be there. But we're going to boil it down to they're not liking what they're doing today. And Mm -hmm. we'll go back to the corporate job for now because that's probably the majority of my listeners right now. When you transitioned out of it, what were you thinking? I knew you had a big why that I'm done. That's a big, that was a big push for you. But you could have done 20,000 things, right? Mm-hmm. You could have opened up an FBA, you could open up a dance studio, whatever. You could have picked a business and did that. How did you go through that selection process? Help us understand that. Absolutely. I'm smiling because I remember distinctly how I felt. I thought I should stick to at least doing interviews. I Mm -hmm. thought maybe there would be something out there that would be better than what I had come from. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I wasn't corporate bullied in all of my jobs. It was just that one, but everybody had a manager that just drove them nuts or the fact that we were being overworked. Like I was doing the job of three people and getting paid below what I thought my average should be my wage. So I did go out on a whole bunch of interviews. And what I found in the interviews that I had gone on that nothing really was resonating. And I got a couple job offers. I'm not even kidding you. I got three Mm. job offers 
one of them was for me to like move to Syracuse and I live in Canada. Oh. They're like, yeah, we're going to move you to our Syracuse office. And I said, no, that's not happening. And a couple other job offers, but nothing was really resonating. So what I felt right. that I wasn't fitting in, I was a square peg trying to fit into the round hole and I wasn't fitting and it didn't feel like I could go back in. It felt like I would be faking it and mm -hmm. I didn't want to fake it anymore. I didn't want to have to smile at the people and, you know, do the yeah. water cooler stuff. So I thought I could create something. And having left the job I had left, I was smart. I had been able to negotiate a package. The package would carry me through to the end of that fiscal year. So I was awesome. okay, technically. Yeah. And I had the resources available to me to dabble. So if I didn't have that, this would have been a different story probably, yeah. but I did have the money and the resources to make it happen. So I thought I'm going to give this a shot. I'm going to give it six months. If I can make it happen in six months, then I'm going to really double down. And if I can't, then I will go back and do a job. So that's when I decided I would put everything into it and see what I could make of it. And I fell backwards into finding something that I really, really liked. Didn't even mm -hmm. plan on it. I put my skills out into the world of Fiverr, if you can believe it. I had to see what this online, like I, that was one of the biggest portals. Upwork didn't exist. You know, people wow. weren't using Facebook to find clientele. There wasn't the tools that we're using now. That was pretty much the number one portal to find online gig work. And I thought if I could figure that out, then it would be a launch pad to more. And it's exactly what happened. Sure. I was basically able to gamify Fiverr into several hundred, even thousand dollar gigs based nice. on my skills. And then I was quickly off the platform, probably within three month period, pulling in my own clients. And by the end of that first year, I closed like 35 clients. And that's amazing, was, Jenny. was working like crazy. You know, my prices were really low because I thought I had to sort of, you know, figure it out yeah. and charge low to yeah. get it. But as soon as I started figuring out that I was like doubling my prices and then tripling my prices, and, of course, you know, of course, of course, raising those prices up because my skill set was growing. But it really snowballed because of the way I was doing it and the effort I was putting into it. Nothing was going to keep me from being successful in this. Love that. Let's go back one more time. So when we were talking sure. about you picked the fiber to offer something that you had, how did you figure yes. out what you had? I used Fiverr just as anything I would have done at any other job as a research tool. And I sat on Fiverr probably for about four or five days and looked at all mm. of the categories, all of the jobs that were being posted. What were the people who were actually charging more than the $5 gig price? Because you could at the time, you know, there were base gigs and then there were higher yeah. gigs. And I was seeing what people were buying and what people were buying was information. So it was either information, research and things like that, transactional stuff, graphic design, voiceovers were huge at the time that I started this. And I didn't think I had the voice for voiceovers. That wasn't going to work for me. I wasn't a graphic designer. I didn't build websites. All of that stuff was big. But what I could do was do a lot of really good research. And I'm really good at looking again at something and looking for the opportunities. Right. So I thought that would be really good for people who want their website reviewed because I was in charge of my corporate jobs. I actually rebranded and rebuilt two Fortune 500, like two Fortune 500 websites from the ground up right. with a consultant. I had that skill. So I could look at people's website, give them really good feedback, charge for it. I thought I was going to open actually a website design 
agency where I would project manage. I'm glad you did not open that. We would not have met. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I actually went down that route. I actually ended up designing Mm. to working with a designer and everything for two websites. I can't build them, but I could definitely tell you what was needed based on this. And that's where it started. And then somebody hired me to do research for them on finding speakers for at the time was called a online teleconference summit. Wow. Which has yeah. now shaped into virtual summits. I love that. Right. Hey, you know what, Jen, this is the nugget I was looking for. It's amazing because I think what happens is, I want to hypothesize on this and you tell sure. me what your thoughts are. I think a lot of folks are not able to leave whatever toxic situation they're in. It could be personal, mm-hmm. it could be financial, it could be whatever. It's because they don't know what the next step is going to be, right? Mm-hmm. And it yeah. becomes more, they're more paralyzed. And we'll take job as an example because there's no emotions usually in there, right? Like, I hate my job, but if I quit today, what am I going to do, right? And you're mm-hmm. right, not everyone's going to have a resource like you, which is your severance package would cover you one year, and then you had some savings. Not everyone's going to be in that position, but everyone's hopefully in a position where they have some reserves. It may not carry them forward a year, but it may carry them a few months, a few weeks, whatever that is, right? Mm-hmm. And everyone has to make that decision. But what happens, okay, that's fine, I have it. And the reason, I'm, it's actually a true story. A friend of mine said, I have enough cash right now that I'll be fine for the next five years, but I hate my job. There's something wrong in that because if you got five years worth of saving and you're confident about it, Mm -hmm. when are you going to take the risk? Your risk is pretty much zero. Now you're comfortable, right? But anyways, diverge. But where I was going with that was what you did was, A, you have faith in yourself that you'll figure it out. Something's going to work out or you have a plan B, you'll find a job, right? Yeah, you may not find a $200,000 job, but you'll find a job. That was never a problem. With most of the folks, it's never a problem. You may not find the job that you would love to have, but you'll always find a job. It may pay you a little less. It may mm-hmm. change the work, like whatever. I always believe that there is always a plan B that can always work out. So, mm-hmm. but even after that, I talked to folks with the problems. Like, what am I going to do? Let's say I have all these situations true, which was like really the question I was asking. How did you figure out what you're going to do? And what you did was very interesting. What you said was... I know I'm valuable, right? Because yeah. somebody was paying you money. So that means you were offering some value to them, which is again going to be most of my audience. They're highly paid professionals. Mm-hmm. Now you can continue doing what you were doing in the previous job and offer maybe the same value or more. That's one path always. But if you hated it, chances are you're going to hate it. But what you did yes. was, okay, I'm going to find out where there is a need, right? And I'm going to follow the need and see if I can add value in that need right? Which is the most interesting way of finding you know, what you need is you can figure out what you want to offer. Nobody may want to buy it. That's one way to look at it. The other is, can you, re- can you know, do you understand the marketplace enough? Or if not, do you have the capability to research the marketplace where you can say, what is the marketplace needing at that point in time? And then can you either take your skill that you have today and apply it directly or add a few things here and there and then bring more value than the existing offerings have, which is what I love about your story, right? Most people at that time may not even know what a Fiverr was. Probably not. And it's so much easier now to get into being an online entrepreneur, by the way. Definitely. So much easier. Definitely. There's so many resources. The internet is blown Mm -hmm. up. There's so many courses available for cheap. Some are thousands of dollars. Who knows, right? And there's social media platforms that didn't exist at the time. Completely. I think which is good and bad because it has made the research even more complicated. 
because everyone has access to that information. Yeah. There's no imperfect information right now. In the world, when you transformed, the information was a little imperfect. If you didn't know about these tools, you wouldn't know where to look. Now it's a little bit, I believe, it's up for grabs for everyone. So now you have yes. to figure out in this situation what's going to differentiate you, right? And that's really yes. what's the most important part. Where your journey I really, really love is more about at any point in time, you have not given up, right? It's probably your faith in yourself that you'll figure it out or you're okay with whatever the consequence may be, but you're not okay living the life that you were at that time. Right? Totally. Totally. And I'm also hyper-independent. And I'm lucky that I have a partner in my life who's amazing. He's incredibly supportive. He's always believed in my ability of doing things. Yeah. And two years after starting the business, I was able to, quote unquote, retire him from his day job. That's amazing. So he was working full time in the business and then doing his own thing as well. And now, I mean, this is the migrate to wealth piece is now I get to work every single day with my favorite person on the entire face of the planet. 24 seven, basically. Yeah. And it's amazing, like just being able to be in that space and be able to have a partner and work with them. I've always wanted to do that. Actually, my parents did that with each other. They were, you know, my parents amazing. worked together, but I, I'm so fortunate to be able to do that and be able to make an income that allows us to do that together. Love that, Jenny. It's, yeah, it's, I, it's wonderful. So I, yeah, I'm hyper independent and I do a lot of things myself, but I have a support system and that's it. That is amazing, Jenny. Jenny, now let's so unreal. What is your business? Because we haven't talked about it. So help us understand what do you do right now? So in a nutshell, I'm a lead generation specialist and a launch strategist. Basically, I help people build up their email marketing lists so they can launch programs and products and services. And I also help them do the launches as well. So it's things like email marketing, building up their email list using online events, helping them do online speaking like podcasts and things like that. And then also doing the launches. So launching programs, products and services, mm -hmm. finding what they want to do. And I take them from A to Z. Now I work with people who are brand spanking new. I also work with people and I love working with people who are you know already multi six figure and seven figure online entrepreneurs, but it's awesome to work with people who have left their corporate jobs or who want to leave their corporate jobs and want to build something on the side to replace that income and also give them the freedom that they want because they're very motivated. And right. I, which is how you and I met. So I love yep. being able to do that because it can create a incredible transformative experience. So, and it's also my roots, right? Yeah. I did the same thing. So I love working with people like that. I love that, right? Because I think it's someone that may not understand what you just said, because I, I want to add one context to that, sure. is in an online, unlike a physical world where there's foot mm -hmm. traffic, if you open up a brick and mortar shop and you open up in a high traffic area, there's a footfall that's happening. If you open up the right product and you can get the foot traffic attracted, you have it. When you yeah. go in an online world, the question that Jenny is trying to address for us is, for most of us, that's our life work right now, is how do you get that foot traffic? Especially yes. when you're starting out new, right? You're starting out new, you have no individual to attract. And that's really what Jenny's superpower right now is. She helps people because lead gen is an interesting word. It's a fancy word of basically saying, send me the traffic so I can show you my offering so you can potentially buy something. Right? That's what exactly. lead generation means. 
And that's yes. really where her core strength is, her superpower is, and she's amazing at it. So anyways, I was just going to make sure I, I put a bow on that part because that's an important <laughs> element, which I know it's a second nature for you. Most people may not understand that if you have not been in this business for a while. Fair so enough, yeah. what are some of the key challenges in that when people are making the transition, let's say somebody who's working at Google and they want to quit their job and they want to start an online course or something where we think they can add value. What are some of the challenges that people are looking at or you see your clients facing when you're using that as a launchpad and your services are launchpad for them? I think one of the first things is their perspective on what they need to do first. Almost every person who wants to become an entrepreneur focuses first on the product they want to build. They build it and then they forget about the fact or they think after they build the thing, they can then attract the audience when right. actually we need to work in tandem, but slightly in reverse. So we need to create an, a huge amount of consistency when it comes to posting on social media. Now, if you don't know what to post, I get it. It is mostly about your journey. Actually, people want to hear the journey like, wow, this is day one of my entrepreneurial journey. Right. Mm. And this is, you know, I'm documenting day one, et cetera. Now, if you're still in the job at Google, or if you're still in the job at the thing and you can't really do that, then yes, you build out your program, product or service as you're going, but you want to get uh, proof of concept. So just like any other thing, we need to prove that the thing is going to work. No startup starts up without having some sort of proof of concept. Right. And you can do that through online market research really easily and without a lot of people knowing that you're doing it too. So you can post and you can actually look in Facebook groups where your ideal client or even in LinkedIn groups or even on Instagram where your ideal client is. So if your ideal client is playing in those spaces, you can find the problems that they're facing simply by using hashtags and looking and seeing what they're talking about so that you can see the problem. So if you want to be a weight loss coach or something like that, you can type in weight loss or whatever it is that you want to type in as a hashtag and do a search and see the reoccurring problems that people are talking about. If you're coming off of Google and you want to be a project manager or you want to create your own SaaS software as a solution product, you can still do the same research. And right now I'm actually helping a client who is going from a corporate job to building out their own SaaS company. And wow. so, yeah, and it's a lot of fun. They were able to raise some capital, which is great, but it's, you know, first round friends and family, and they're trying to build out this thing and we still need to do research. We just created a whole like deck of questions of what we need to ask. And now they're going to do some of that research on the side. They're still employed they still need to do this research. So that's one of the first things I notice. And if I can say that the next thing really is getting your platforms in place, securing all of your social platforms and having that so you're ready to go is super important because somebody else might have the name, don't wait on it, buy your URL, get your social media and stuff like that. And then start communicating with people, start conversations. People just want to get to know and create conversations. You can worry about all the big stuff later on, you know, what to post and things like that. But just starting to create that consistency of showing up is super important. Yeah. And you and you and I have talked about that. I think it's more, most people are not sharing, comfortable sharing their stories, right? Because A, they're too personal. Yeah. It could be too personal. Second thing is some folks may not like how they sound. Some folks may not like how they look. Some folks may not like the way they write, right? There's mm -hmm. so many limiting beliefs. And I know you and I had the conversation just yesterday about it. So it's yeah. interesting where your tips and advice could be to overcome that. Because it's really in your head. 
right? It is, yes. And, and we were talking about yesterday, only you care how you look and talk. Nobody else does. Absolutely. And what you do to tell yourself this is you say that you have a gift. So we all know that we have something, right? You're starting these businesses for a reason. You have mm -hmm. something to offer. Yeah. If you don't get in front of the right people and be able to talk to them and make those offers, you're robbing the people that you could help from True. the thing that they need. So the people who need you have a problem, whatever the problem is that you can solve. And if you really believe that your solution could better their lives, their businesses, their whatever, then by not offering it because you're too focused on, you know, whatever it is that's blocking you from being able to get out in front of your ideal audience, you're robbing them of the solution that only you can give. Right. So I always look at it as if I don't do this, then somebody else is going to fill the void. And it may not be with the quality or the understanding or whatever that I bring to the table. Because yeah. I hate being on video as well. I always say I have a really great face for radio, but I, <laughs> <laughs> and I've had a podcast, podcast for like three years or so. So I know the importance of just getting over my own stuff visually yeah. and, and everything else and just getting out there because nobody cares about how you look, sound or feel. And if they do, they were never the person you should be working with anyways. And, you know, right. there's always going right. to be haters everywhere. So just overcome as much as you humanly can by repetition, desensitization, I basically say, and just get out there because you don't want to keep the thing that you could do for people from them. This is very powerful, Jenny, because what you're looking at it is you can look at like two different ways, right? One is how you feel and how you can make others feel really only two mm -hmm. ways from your perspective, right? Yeah, yeah. Others can treat you like a crap as well, but we're talking about when you're looking at you as an individual, you only have two things how you can make yourself feel and how you can make somebody else feel. And if you're feeling crappy inside, because everyone's got insecurities and that's fine. There are no judgments on anybody because I got plenty. But I think what we're saying is that if you focus on that insecurities, what's happening is how you're feeling inside is going to be how you feel outside. But the also mm -hmm. the reverse is also true. How you're feeling outside is also going to be make you feel inside better. Right. So if you're projecting a service mentality, which is what you're proposing, and I'm a firm believer of that, if you're looking at your life and your work as a service rather than monetizing, the problem mm -hmm. is when we say that I can only talk to Jenny because she can afford a $25,000 course or a $30,000 course or a $3,000 course, doesn't matter. Now you're looking at it as a transaction and that transaction makes you feel dirty potentially, right? But if I'm talking to Jenny, I'm like, Jenny, you have this situation. I have a solution. Of course, I've worked towards it. So I need to make sure that there is something in me as well. I need to get paid because I need to run my own family and mm -hmm. do whatever work I need to do. But I really think it's going to change your life. And you genuinely feel that mm -hmm. right now. You're saying that whatever you're producing out and you just need one person to tell you that because what's going to happen is it's so addictive. Once one person tells you if your program changed my life. You're like, oh, I need to change many lives because I actually have a gift, right? So that has to happen. And that can only happen when you tell other people what you're doing. And if you're not going to tell other people what you're doing, like it was interesting. I was talking to my daughters, I was telling her that uh, one of the daughters, older one, that, you know, if a tree falls in the forest and nobody knows about it, did the tree really fall? So I can't remember if it was my wife or the other one. They was like, oh, why does tree need to tell? I'm like, you know what? That is a very important question. If you don't know what you're offering, 
mm-hmm. what value it adds to others life then you are the tree who doesn't need to tell anybody that it it was falling but if mm-hmm. you actually have something that can change somebody else's life because or it can shorten what took you 10 years to learn now you can teach it in one day yes imagine the power in that delivery you're going to have and now mm-hmm. you are that tree that needs to announce to the world on a loudspeaker that i can change your world because even if one person buys that product or service offering their lives change forever right that's all we need i went mm-hmm. on a tangent i'm very passionate about it. that topic but it's a very important thing it is it really really is and i'm glad that you shared that no perfect what's next for you where do you see your life going your business going of course you're not going to give up on anything i'm assuming it's no. going to go tenfold The focus right now is scale. So I have through the pandemic I was able to determine another niche like another opportunity that I saw opening up in the space that I'm in and that's a really big thing is knowing your space really well. And I was able to determine that there is a real gap for people who want to scale their businesses. So that's my mission right now is like I have two prongs of my business right now. One is focusing on collaboration because collaboration creates success and if you're just yeah. starting out, collaboration is a massive opportunity. Networking is something that you should be focusing on constantly. Mm-hmm. And the other prong is the scalability of the business and that means not doing everything myself and pushing things to yeah. my team, trusting my team and empowering them to take on tasks that normally I would focus on simply because I'm quote unquote good at it. I don't need right. to be good at all of these tasks. I need to focus on the growth and I need to focus on ensuring that my clients have a really great experience and feel supported and things like that. So I'm moving in that direction and creating that scalability. So that means I'm, you know, opening up a mastermind and group coaching program and I'm actually just launched at the time that we're recording this I launched a course today. So Nice. What is the course about? It's actually called Guest Speaker Advantage. It's about Love doing that. online speaking. Love that. So that Thank you. I'm excited. So that just came out today. It's actually a revamped course of a course that I created back in 2017 with all new information updated including things about AI because obviously AI is a big part of mm-hmm. things and it's here to stay. So how do we use that to leverage our businesses and grow because if you want to grow an online business and you're coming out of that professional world really knowing your niche that lead generation we talked about networking is big, collaboration is big. and also using guest speaking even unpaid speaking is such an a huge important way to actually grow an audience and get clients i mean for years i did that i actually never had a website for years i literally got my entire business going simply from referrals that's and awesome. from doing guest speaking so that's where i'm focusing this year that's amazing jenny that's amazing jenny i want to respect for your time i know you and i can talk at length i think i do it to every guest i'm like i love talking to you all of my guests are amazing your story is very special so i want to make sure that i bring you as well towards the end of our show looking back of course you know you talked about it that your life has shaped you who you are your life events mm-hmm. right but if you were to go back 20 year old self who was still probably at home you were saying i think you left at 22 what would some of the key insights you would give that person give that jenny to make the migration in life more intentional mm. so 
without saying invest in Apple stock, which is what I would have told my twenty. <laughs> you were the second person in two consecutive days who's talked about it. <laughs> I would totally have done that too. Like invest in Apple, invest in Facebook before the IPO. Actually, I had Facebook stock when it went through the IPO. That's awesome. Yeah, too bad we sold it too early. But anyways, what I would tell my twenty-year-old self to make this transition easier is I would say, don't short sell yourself. Yeah. Don't think that you, your self-worth is tied to anybody else but yourself and understand that by doing what you're doing and following on your dreams. And I would also tell my 20 year old self to start therapy because working through all of the issues and stuff through everybody's got their stuff yeah. by working through that, you come out on the other side more quickly being able to take action on things, trauma and everything in life creates almost like quicksand or cement shoes. You'd struggle to get the next step forward. And so I would always recommend that person. I would tell my 20 year old self to really focus on self development and moving more quickly, you know, stop waiting and start doing. Love that. The relationship with self is the most important relationship. And most Absolutely. of us don't focus on that. We're always looking for yeah. outward validation instead of strengthening our relationships. I love that. Jenny, last question before we transition towards the end here is where should humanity migrate towards as a whole? Community, understanding, mm -hmm. empathy, more holistic approach to taking care of people, thinking about the world as a microcosm versus a macrocosm, you know, really focusing on helping and supporting the individual. We started off in communities that supported each other and everybody knew each other on your street and all the mothers looked out the window and took care of all the kids right. running up and down. Right. I would love to create a global community that where people actually watched out for each other and took care of each other. And as a believer in personal rights and making sure that everybody has their own autonomy, not losing that. I think it's so important to be able to be your autonomous self and be able to create and direct the direction that your life is going in. Oh my God, Jenny, that is so resonates with my dream. And I really thought it only happened in India that kids were running around the street and somebody else's parents were taking care of you. That's I'm amazing. old enough to be able to say that that happened. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't happen anymore. It no, needs I was one to. of those, one of those street light kids where they'll you know, go yeah. out and be out until the street lights come on and then you'd come home correct, and correct, have correct. dinner and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Jenny, I have really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you for being on our show. If somebody wants to reach out to you to learn more about what you do or share their stories with you, share their journey, learn more from your journey, where can they find you? I'm really active on both LinkedIn as well as Instagram. So on Instagram, it's Jenny, J-E-N-N-I-E -N -N -E with an L and then Wright. And LinkedIn, it's just Jenny Wright, as well as my website. So JennyWright.com. And happy. I'm very open to receiving comments and, you know, reach outs and things like that. So feel free to connect. Awesome. Well, Jenny, thanks again for being on our show. We really appreciate it. Thank and you good so luck much. with really all the it. scale goals you have. I'm pretty sure you're going to crush it. Absolutely. I'm going to try. Thank you. If you got value from this episode, you might consider sharing this content with a friend. But most importantly, be sure to take action on what you've learned. One way you can take the next step is to connect directly with Socket on an investor call. That link is waiting for you in the show notes below. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Please consult your own advisors when making any investment decisions. Keep listening. We'll see you on the next episode.